0: was a homeless man who found refuge in the foyer of a city apartment building. One of the tenants noticed him coming home from work one evening. He passed the homeless person without saying a word. The next day, the tenant again returned home and this time asked the homeless man how he was doing. The homeless man said he was doing fine. The next day, the tenant once again met this homeless person. This time, the tenant was prepared and gave him something to eat. The next day, the homeless man was still there. This time, the tenant gave him some money. The tenant's anger and frustration towards God began to grow because God apparently wasn't doing anything to help this man who was obviously in a desperate situation. When the tenant returned to his apartment, he angrily looked up and said to God, Lord, You see, this man is in great need. Why won't you do anything to help him? Immediately, he heard the Lord say, But I already have. I sent him to you. In our first reading, Habakkuk is upset with God for allowing the Babylonians to overtake southern Israel, Jerusalem, in 587 BC. The people of Israel are being slaughtered on a large scale, and others are being sent into exile. Habakkuk is inconsolable. He says to God, too pure are your eyes to look upon evil and the sight of misery you cannot endure. Too pure are your eyes to look upon evil and the sight of misery you cannot endure. Two weeks ago, we have all witnessed evil manifest itself in countless and horrendous ways. And all that remains is misery for innocent people everywhere to look upon. All of us are asking God the same question. Why God? Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this evil to continue in Israel, in Ukraine, and other parts of the world? Why? God doesn't answer Habakkuk as he answered a tenant except to say, the rash man has no integrity but the just man, because of his faith, shall live. The just man, because of his faith. Twenty-six of us just returned from the Holy Land exactly three weeks before this horrific outbreak. Our experience there was extremely peaceful and calm. I don't believe the people of Israel were sensing any trouble on the horizon. Both our guide and driver were Arabic, Our guide, Jarer was a Malachite Catholic, and our driver, Rashad, was a Muslim who practiced Islam. They were the best of friends. Our guide gave us the historical challenges that many Palestinians and Israelis uh, Israelis faced. I won't go into any detail here, but I will share one fact that surprised many of us. Christians make up 2% of the populace in Israel, that is approximately 200,000 people 75% are which are arab christians the number of christians practicing their faith is significantly less israel is the cradle of christianity yet there are so few practicing it sadly this is also true of the other major religions in israel as well we are seeing a major decline around the world of those who do not practice any faith. Religion, God, is non revelant for so many people everywhere. And the reasons given are diverse and seemingly endless. Our psalmist today says, You forsake not those who seek you, Lord. God will not forsake those who seek him. Are we seeking him? Are we seeking him as individuals, as families, as a society, as a world. If not, why not? War, strife, bigotry was present in the time of Jesus. Jesus had to contend with all these things when he began his ministry. Our pilgrimage started where Jesus started, on the Sea of Galilee, also known as Lake Tiberius, a very beautiful and serene lake. The Golan Heights could be seen on the opposite side of the lake, and it was absolutely stunning, very peaceful. This region of Galilee, which includes Nazareth, is directly north of Jerusalem. When the Jews of Galilee traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and the other holy days, they didn't travel directly south. They would travel east into Jordan, then travel south through Jordan's west bank, then crossed the Jordan River once they were directly east of Jerusalem. Why? If they traveled directly south, they would have had to walk through Samaria. And the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. In today's gospel, Jesus and his disciples entered a village of of Samaritans. They were not well received by them. How did the disciples want to respond to this insult? They wanted to call down fire from heaven to consume the Samaritans. Jesus couldn't have disagreed more. Let us remember no one is born with evil in their heart or hatred for others. This is a learned behavior from others. And just as hatred is a learned behavior, so is love. The answer to our differences is not war and total annihilation. The solution to our differences is Jesus. The solution begins with faith, begins with prayer, begins with listening and understanding, begins with seeing the other person as person and not anything less. Jesus will send you and me into the world to make it a better place, to make a difference. But how? None of us are capable enough, smart enough, strong enough, or holy enough to do this on our own. We feel powerless and maybe even hopeless in uncertain times such as these to make a real difference. It is only in Jesus that we find power to change the hearts and minds of those who are blinded by ignorance and evil. The tenant felt powerless. Habakkuk felt powerless and hopeless. St. Paul recognized his own weakness and limitations. The Lord said to St. Paul as he does to you and me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. It is by God's power and grace, but here's the rub. God is willing and ready to do his part if we are willing and ready to do ours. We don't need a prophet to read the signs of the times. What we are observing are the basic laws of spiritual physics. The more humanity pushes God off to the margins of life, the more evil will dominate the center of our lives. The virtue of good or the vice of evil cannot live in a vacuum. All of humanity needs to invite God more deeply into their lives. This is true of every faith denomination. God will most profoundly answer this invitation within synagogues, mosques, and Christian churches, as well as other houses of worship, God will answer this invitation within our homes. Love of God first begins in the home. But we must invite him. We must call upon God. Last Friday, Hamas leaders called for a day of rage. And the media covered the many demonstrations that went on here and around the world. There was no shortage of people in the streets willing to express their feelings on this matter. This past Tuesday, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem and the bishops of the United States called for a day of prayer and fasting for peace. Did the media cover this? Were there throngs of people filling the streets? Granted, there are people willing to show their support publicly in matters such as these. I did come across a news feed online of a Eucharistic procession in New York City that happened over a week ago. The number who participated was estimated to be 4,000. Did the national news outlets cover that? Perhaps if there were more Eucharistic processions going on here and around the world at the same time, the media would cover it. In reality, most people stay at home and pray in private rather than publicly expressing their support. And that's where most good people miss a greater opportunity. They believe that supporting good causes can be accomplished from home, in private. This, by the way, is the belief many others have when it comes to their relationship with God. It's something they can do in private. These important matters are not an either or proposition. They are a both and proposition. We need to worship God in private and in community. We are created to love God in community we were created to worship as a people. When God said through Moses, let my people go, it was for one reason, so that they may as a people worship God. Ironically, worshiping God as a community begins at home, in private as it were. Before we can encourage one another to come to the table of the Lord in church, we must encourage one another to come to the dinner table at home. We all know that these are challenging times. We all want to do what we can to help. That is why all of us are here tonight. We want to help as individuals and as a community. Let me propose one way that we may seem what well, may seem somewhat or unorthodox or may seem not even connected to our common goal for peace in our world. If you're not having dinner with family members who live nearby in surrounding towns, make a sincere effort to do so at least once a week. And if your family is spread far and wide, invite your neighbors and friends. Come together in prayer and fellowship, sharing the love of God with one another. And when you come together, begin with prayer, thanking God for the blessings in your life. Then pray for this world which believes God is no longer relevant. Do this as often as you can. First invite people to your home. Then invite them to church. This is where peace begins. It begins in our homes, in our churches. It goes out to our communities and then to the whole world. Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Peace that money cannot buy and the world cannot give. Spread the peace and love of God as the faithful witnesses that God is calling you and me to be, faithful witnesses that God sends to others who are in great need of his peace and his love.